Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You've tuned in to Freedom of Species, bringing animal advocacy to the airwaves. We are dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals, uh, including animal advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and, importantly, appreciation. The program is broadcast from 3CR Studios in Melbourne, Australia and streamed live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are available via 3CR and the Freedom of Species websites. All podcasts are on iTunes. I'm Emma Townsend and thanks for tuning in. That was Take Me to the River, Annie Lennox's version. I thought it was a suitable segue. A lot of animal advocates went up to the duck shooting opening weekend uh, this weekend to protest against the duck shooting season even happening. And joining me in the studio is a fellow Fozzie, Fozzie being an acronym for a freedom of species prezo. Kate Gracie is in the studio with me to discuss it because she was up in that area. Hi, Emma. Yes, I, I went up on Friday night to go out on the wetlands very, very early on Saturday morning. It would have been absolutely freezing. Oh, my God, it was. It was so cold. It was hideously cold because we were all just in little sort of slip-on shoes and little, you know, bare essential shorts and T-shirts and then you rug up as much as you can, but you're in the water and you're going to get muddy, so you, you're not really well-equipped for cold weather you sort of rug up as much as you as your environment allows you and as your activity allows you. So we're all very, very cold, especially when we get up. It's like five o'clock in the morning. How many of you were there, do you think? I don't know the numbers, but I'd say there were probably probably a hundred. That was the rescuers, then there were the RSPCA vet team. There was some politicians, Kelvin Thompson and Melissa Park, who are both Labor MPs and some other sort of logistics personnel. So probably with with probably everybody involved, there's probably, you know, 120-odd. So we made a large convoy, a, a long, long, long convoy as we headed out to the wetland at, at, the, at 5.30 in the morning. Were there many shooters this year? Well, uh, should I give you the backstory? Please do. The backstory is that we were going, we were heading for... Kerrang. We were going to go to Kerrang to Lake Elizabeth this year. Lake Elizabeth, as it turned out, there were um, there was a, a significant population of a threatened species on that lake. So Animals Australia and the Coalition Against Duck Shooting was taking what's it called, DELWIP, or the Department of Environment, Environment Water, Land and Planning or something. Yeah. They were taking them to the Supreme Court to prevent shooting taking place on this significant wetland. At the, at the last minute, Delwip conceded and said, OK, OK, well, let's not go to court. Let's, we'll stop this. We'll stop the shooting. So no shooting on Lake Elizabeth happened? So no shooting on Lake Elizabeth happened. So then that was where going to be probably a large concentration of shooters were going to be. So that didn't occur. Why, why is that? Was there a oh, lot of... Well, Lake Elizabeth... All those lakes around there, around Kerrang, they host a lot of water birds. It's a large wetland area. There's a lot of lot of different lakes there. So normally you find a lot of water birds up there. So when they pulled the plug on that lake, 
so to speak. It meant the shooters sort of dispersed, I suppose, to other different lakes. So then we went to Lake Burrumbeet, which is beyond Ballarat. So there were, I suppose, there was a significant amount of shooters. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot, a lot. It is certainly down from past years, you know, like 10, 20 years ago, where there used to be thousands and thousands of shooters. Now it might number in the hundreds. So there's a clear a very clear marked decrease in the number of shooters over the last 10 to 20 years. So there were certainly enough shooters for us to contend with. There's still enough shooters to do a lot of damage to those ducks. You know, one one duck is still a one duck dead is still a tragic death. Yeah, I read um, in an article a Molden resident and wildlife rescuer Ian Slattery put it like this: A lot of people are under the misconception that these shooters go out, kill a bird in one shot and take them but many of the birds are that are shot are injured or maimed if anyone treated any other animal this way they would be prosecuted so can you just go into more what it feels like to actually be there i mean are there pellets going everywhere and ricocheting onto other birds and injuring them the idea with duck shooting is it's done with a shotgun it's not done with a rifle so when a a shot's fired from a shotgun the shotgun casing holds approximately 200 um, metal pellets so the metal pellets are fired from the shotgun casing and they create a it's like a, a blast a, a cloud of pellets fired in the direction of the duck it's not a clean direct shot like like a bullet like a rifle bullet does okay. so these pellets spray the bird and they'll spray the other birds around it so you could shoot into a flock of flying ducks and kill or actually unlikely kill them you're likely to just injure and maim several ducks at once, then the, those injured ducks either, you know, f- try to fly on to wherever they, they're going and, and might sort of slot, uh, do, uh, die a slow, painful death from its injuries later on, or those injured ducks might fall to the water then and there and be retrieved by the shooter's dog. So you can imagine the terror of, your already, of a duck already being injured, then being grabbed by the, in the jaws of a dog, taken back to the shooter, where the, do- the, the, the shooter will then probably just wring its neck or like, you know, whirl, it, whirl its body in the air from its neck to break its neck. So it's far from a clean death. There's not, the, the fact, the, the chances of a, of a duck dying from a direct shotgun hit is, is, is very unlikely. It's, it doesn't happen much at all. Most of them die either from their injuries later on or they die after they've been retrieved by their dogs and, and have their neck um, wrung. So at best, they're probably at best. The shortest death is prob- still probably you know a fifteen minute death. And all these injured birds, as you say, around them, even though the dog may have retrieved the one duck. Yes, there could be all these injured. Yes. So yesterday, the RSPCA were there as well. So were there constantly birds being rescued and taken to the actual? Well, there weren't. The, there were birds being brought in. Yeah. Um, there wasn't an overwhelming number of birds brought in because it wasn't an overwhelming start of the season because right. there weren't there weren't a great number of shooters out there and we were covering the this lake we we're on Lake Burrumbeet is a very very large lake and even a hundred shooters you know the impact that we can make on such a large lake is is tiny you know such a a large area if a duck goes down and it's not retrieved by its shooter the chances of us finding it is still is can be quite remote. Yeah. It's on such a large lake. It's only if you you might see the duck moving in the distance on the water, and that sort of grabs our eyes, yeah. and we we're drawn to that movement. But if the duck goes down and it's lying still, or it's in the some some rushes, you know, the chances of finding that duck, yeah, and being able to help it can be quite remote. There's a lot a lot of ducks out there that don't get found by the shooter or by us, or the shooter doesn't even bother to retrieve it. Because if the shooter retrieves its, their duck, that means that they meet their bag limit sooner, and then they have to go. They, then they have to leave the lake. Oh, it's in their recreational interest not to retrieve the duck, so they can keep on shooting. Are there people there checking their bags, their bag limit? Um, hypothetically, there should be. That's the role of the game management authorities and yeah. the, you know the Parks Victoria Rangers. People were checking bag limits, but. I didn't. I only saw um, on Lake Burrumbeet yesterday. I saw some um, police on the shore. I didn't see. I didn't see any game management authorities there. So there would have been, yeah, ducks going down all over the place, and no one checking bag no limits. No one checking. 
Why are the birds there at this time of year? Is it a nursing area? Or? I don't know if Lake Byron Beach um, serves as a, as a nursery for the ducks, but I know that there's a terrible drought across Victoria right now, or southeastern Australia, there's a shocking drought. So where there is water, it's very concentrated. There's not a lot of water around. So where there is water, the ducks are concentrated on the on the remaining um, water bodies. Lake Burrumbeet is, a, like I said, it's a very, very big lake. Mm. But the shore, the difference between where the shoreline is and where the actual water started is a very long way. We walked through maybe about two kilometres of mud two kilometres from the shoreline until we reached the water's edge. That's how far the water had receded in wow. this lake. So it's a two-kilometre walk through um, dead fish strewn across this mud flat. A lot of It was an apocalyptic vision of all these fish that had just died as the water had receded. Wow. It was, so, yeah. it's, it's a terrible sight. So all kinds of birds, whether they be protected species or not. I know it was fortunate that they closed Lake Elizabeth. I think it was on the grounds because there are so many protected species exactly, there that's at the right. moment. And that's great. But the cruelty is, you know, no matter what species you are, duck shooting is, is a very cruel uh, sport. It is. So, yeah. Um, any more information on that, please go to... Go to bandduckshooting.com. And what can we still do about You can um, please contact your local MP and tell them how outraged you are by this activity, that it's got to stop, it's, it's not sustainable, it's, it's cruel, and all the lie, all the all the, the nonsense perpetrated by the sh- shooters about how it's, it's a clean kill and they only shoot target species... Don't buy it. It's it's rubbish. If 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 you don't believe us, come out with us on a on a weekend during the duck shooting season, and we and you'll see for yourself that 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 it's all nonsense what the shooters are telling you. But in the meantime, just please contact your local MP, contact Yala Pulford, who's the Minister for Agriculture, contact Lisa Neville, who's the Minister for Agriculture, and contact Premier Daniel Andrews. Uh, just let people know that this is this is just it's an outrage. Thanks, Kate. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about it. Absolutely, you will. What are you supposed to do? 3CR. What are you supposed to do? Community Radio. What are you supposed to do? 855. What are you supposed to do? I am. I am now joined in the studio by Hannah from Humane Research Australia. Thanks so much for coming in today, Hannah. Thanks for having me. Now, I hear that the Easter Bunny is threatening to boycott Easter. Can you explain why he may have his grumpy pants on? Um, I suppose one of the issues that we cover at Humane Research Australia is animal testing. So uh, rabbits are one of the the big ones there, especially in regards to cosmetic testing. So that might be one of the reasons that the Easter Bunny is choosing to boycott Easter. But yeah, I mean, um, it's something that we're we're aiming to stop. So. so there's cosmetic testing. And is that different to like when we test for household cleaning products or any yeah. other testing we do? In Australia, cosmetics are actually regulated in the same way as, as sort of household products. They're all basically considered to be industrial chemicals. So when they come into Australia as new chemicals, in some cases our government will actually require them to undergo animal testing, including rabbits, mice, guinea pigs and and rats. So Okay, so you're saying the testing takes place in Australia? Uh, Usually it doesn't take place in Australia. Um, It's just kind of a normative thing. It's not that we actually have any restrictions, so it could well be happening, but we don't have statistics to see that. But we think it's unlikely. Um, But what happens is that our regulations actually call for it to happen. And even though it isn't happening here, it's happening abroad for our legislation. So, Right. So if there's a chemical in a product that has to, by regulation, be experimented on animals, whether that be overseas or here, it's still dreadful. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, in a sense, it doesn't really matter where it's happening. The animal's still suffering in the same way. And it's our politicians and our legislation that's calling for it and that's not something that's necessary at all so before we talk about later on about what we can do about that as members of the public can you take us through a few of the tests that are actually done on rabbits yeah sure so for example for cosmetics uh, one of them is skin irritation testing so with rabbits that will mean that they'll actually shave off some of their fur and they'll apply the chemical um by 
by just putting it on or doing sort of fine cuts into their skin. And obviously that's very painful. They're trying to see what reaction it will cause. And then at the end, um, they'll be killed as well. Another type is oral toxicity testing, which is where they actually restrain the rabbits so that they can't struggle, so that their heads are just popping out of these restraints. And then they'll drip the chemicals into their eyes and, you know, see if it causes ulcers or blindness, and they just have to sit there and take it. And pretty much all of the time there's no pain relief because it can interfere with the results, so they just have to sit there and suffer and then be, be killed, and it's all just for cosmetics like shampoos and, and lipsticks. It's really, really horrible. Oh, it yeah. is revolting. Is, is yeah. that one, is that called the Dray's test, or is that the first one with the skin... Is that um, the Dray's test? The Dray's is related to the eyes as well, but um, that's sort of being restricted more because it was so controversial and such a horrible test. But there is still um, these other sorts of tests with oral toxicity and the skin irritation and that sort of thing. So, yeah, there's still still testing going on. There's such, uh, you know, when I think of bunny rabbits, they're such gentle quiet creatures. They are, and that's actually part of the reason why they use them, not only in cosmetic testing but in biomedical research, is because they're so passive and they will just sort of let people do things to them, which is which is really horrible. Um, but that is part of the reason why they are so popular in research. Can you tell us about the biomedical research and does that take place within Australia? Yeah, so... Um, Unlike cosmetic testing, that actually is happening here at places like Monash University, University of Melbourne, all over the country as well. Um, All sorts of biomedical research, but uh, a recent one that Humane Research uh, looked into, did a case study on, was uh, spinal cord injury research. So they actually took 88 rabbits and they induced spinal cord injury um, by basically blowing up a balloon in their spinal cord and injuring it. Um, yeah, and then they, then they tested them and this was all the, the, aside from the obvious ethical issues, this is all supposedly for translation to humans. And obviously if you think of a bunny, just from, from a common sense point of view and their spinal cord and the shape of their body and, you know, all those sorts of things, it's very, very different to a human. So there's scientific issues there as well. You cannot extrapolate the data you get from that research to humans. So not only is it cruel, it's really pointless. It's it's wasting time and money that could be spent using human biology based research methods. So So again, so with the biomedical research, why are we doing it then? What Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. We ask that every day, I think. Um I think it's because in some cases it it is so horrific you wouldn't initially be able to do that exact same thing in a human because it would be horrific. You would be killing the human and giving them a spinal cord injury, and um, apparently that can be approved in animals, even though we know they're very sentient and can suffer and feel pain. Um, but I think it's just a, it's become a sort of tradition is that they need to, there's this culture in academia, especially in medicine, of publish or perish. So they need to churn out a certain amount of publications and papers, and to do that they need research subjects. And animals are much easier to obtain. So rather than looking at human health outcomes, they're looking at citations and their reputation. And that's just that culture. They just want to churn them out so they get animals so that they can put a paper out there and that sort of thing. Um, They are, you know, some researchers are moving away from it and they're looking at more alternatives and things like that, Um, much more valid replacements. Uh, But, yeah, it's still happening and it's happening on a massive scale. Australia is particularly bad. Um, we're the fourth highest user in the world of animals. So I can ask you how many animals do you think are used every year? How many? It's over 6 million. So Within Australia? Within Australia. So Universities and... Yeah, universities and research institutions. So usually I ask people, they say, oh, you know, in the thousands, maybe max. It's 6 million, over 6 million. And that's, does that include not only rabbits but other species as well? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a lot of mice. The latest statistics show over 2 million mice used in one year. Rabbits was sort of more around 3,000. But there's all sorts of things that are used. Wallabies used. Yeah. Why wallabies? Well, that's a very good question. 
Why wallabies? Yeah, used for research and then in the same way to be translated to humans. And you just you have to wonder why, in how in any way wallabies could be relevant to human health outcomes. It's interesting you say this all gets down to almost an academic culture. Yeah. And um, how even around that, you mentioned the massive scale of how many animals are used. I mean, clearly that's a money, it's a money business and industry for people as well. So I imagine there are many, uh, I don't know, but are there breeders out there that breed specifically for animal experimentation? Yeah. Most of the animals that are used, um, other than for, uh, in environmental studies, so for more biomedical research, they're bred specifically for research. So there's huge breeding facilities, and there's actually a massive problem where they're overproducing them. So they will just breed mice, and they won't even be used in research. They'll just be killed because they just had too many of them. But like you said, it's a kind of money-making. As with everything, money comes into it, and, yeah, ethics go out the window. But one of the other things we've been focusing on in regards to breeding facilities is primates, which is obviously a massive ethical issue. But we actually have three government-funded, so publicly funded, breeding facilities in Australia where they breed uh, baboons, macaques and marmosets purely for research, purely for, for animal testing. And it's it's funded by the public. And I, I don't know if any of your uh, listeners out there know about this, but it's very, very secretive. So a lot of people don't know. That's why we're trying to bring it, bring is, it out there. Is that in Victoria? This... There's one in Victoria. Um, in Gippsland, and there's one in Sydney, and there's one in Adelaide. Uh, it, it is, I've lost for words, it, it is an outrage, isn't it? Because we already have, if you need to prove the sentience, the sentence has clearly been proved Yeah, with it's... the primates. And um, so what is their defence? Do they have a defence? Do they talk about this? with that kind of experimentation on these um, animals? I think ethically they can't defend it and they sort of sometimes recognise that because, as you said, primates in particular are so sentient. It's effectively like testing on a, a human child, if not, you know, an, an older human. Um, but I suppose their defence is usually um, looking at... Uh, they, they say it's necessary to progress medicine or medical progress um, for human health outcomes. But actually what we're seeing is a lot more systematic reviews that are showing that that's not true, that the translation of um, animal research to human health outcomes, it's just not there. You just, I mean, as I said before, from, from a sort of common sense point of view, you think they're very, very different. But even within species between male and female mice, there's differences. They'll test the same drug on them and it won't have the same outcome. So how can you then stretch that all the way out to humans? There's things like um, in, in rats, you know, caffeine can be toxic. Obviously, it's not toxic in humans. We just have different physiological responses. So it's, it's, it's really questionable why they're continuing to use them. But I think it comes back to the culture. Um, I don't think they can defend it. And I think more and more researchers are moving away from it because it's just not it's it's not there's no outcomes that are beneficial for humans every now and then sure you know we say sometimes it's like pulling um you know a slot machine it's 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 every now and then you'll spit out a result just by sort of pure chance but and out of sheer scale yeah, yeah. but um ultimately it's not an effective form of research there's a 95% failure rate that's, a 95% yeah, failure Yeah, the American FDA, FDA has shown that 95% failure rate um, when you're testing uh, a drug in animal, uh, drug in an animal, and then testing it in a human, it it just won't it won't work. So they're, they're looking at that five percent. Yeah. yeah, waste of time and money. And yeah, uh, apart from the absolute ethical, the the tragedy um, and cruelty to animals, yeah. which you would hope would be the foremost reason why to stop it. We're speaking with Hannah from Humane Research Australia um, about animal experimentation. And Hannah, we've been through. You have to say it, the the um, the horrible testing that actually happens. Can you tell us about the research methods where people are moving away from experimenting on animals? Have you got any knowledge in that? Yeah, sure. Um, well, one example in relation to cosmetics, um, where they're massively using a lot of the alternatives, um, is, uh, for example, 
for the skin irritation sort of testing I was talking about, um, they'll actually use human reconstructed skin. So obviously immediately that has relevance to humans because it's human skin. So you can just do the same test on that um, and they've developed that and it works. Um, so you just you absolutely don't need to use um, animals. And is that um, has that been used within Australia? Um, our yeah, our regulator will accept that data. Um, they will they will accept that as you know a valid form for their requirements. Yeah, so you, you can use that. People should be using it, and they are increasingly. But the other thing with cosmetics is that in the first place, there's already thousands of ingredients out there that are listed for safe use. So companies like Lush and Australis and other cruelty-free companies, not only can they use those alternative methods, they can actually go to that that list of ingredients and use those ingredients, thousands of them, just reformulate them and make a new product that way. So it's very, very easy to be cruelty-free. Um, there's, there's no excuse to be doing animal testing at all. So is the... How are they... If there is a a push away from using the experimentation on animals, you're saying that there is a shift happening in Australia. Yeah, definitely. What needs to happen now for there to be more of a shift, a, a complete shift? Um, well, I think in relation to cosmetics, it's it's shifting hugely, especially this year. Um, we've seen just a, a few weeks ago the Labor Party introduced a bill to actually ban cosmetic testing as well as the sale of animal-tested cosmetics. Um, so that's actually something that's already happened across the European Union. So it's over 28 countries, France, Germany, massive cosmetics producers. They can't do animal testing for cosmetics. It's in India as well. There's legislation pending in Canada and America. So it's just a worldwide thing. It's, you know, scientists agree, consumers agree, we, we need to shift away from this. And um, over 80% of Australians agree as well, polling shows. Um, so it's just a matter of the government now introducing that legislation and making sure it, it happens. We have support from them, but um, we just need a sort of a one last push to make sure that goes through. And is there anyone lobbying against that going through? Are there, are there our industry pushing for it not to or? Not really. I mean, um, it's always a little bit tricky because uh, the legislation is obviously complicated and you don't want any sort of um, side effects of that. But no, the industry is, as cosmetic testing doesn't actually happen in Australia, it in theory won't have any effect, the testing ban. But it's still important because obviously we don't want it to happen in future. And while there's no ban, it could well be happening. Um, so yeah, industry is reasonably supportive of that. The sales ban is a little bit um, more technical, I guess. But overwhelmingly, they're, they're supportive. Even politicians, there's been uh, motions in the Senate and the House of Representatives from Liberal and National MPs who are saying we want this, the public wants this, the science says we need this. It's better for consumer safety because if you're testing something on a bunny, you don't know, like, and then approve it, and then you can have a horrible result in humans. We've seen that before. So it's not safe in the first place. And um, I guess no one has ever collected the data on, you know, every people using, having used yeah. these cosmetics and you, your skin's such an individual thing as well. Exactly. God knows how many people have suffered the consequence of using, you know, cosmetics. Yeah. Really, in general. So that, okay, so that bill means any chemical cannot be used, cannot cannot have used animals in experiments on. Does that ban include all ingredients yeah so it's tested. any new ingredient so that means okay. any sort of newly manufactured or newly imported ingredient to australia so it might already be in safe use in europe but if it's new to australia it's they consider it to be new so it means any chemical like that you can't rely on animal test data for the safety substantiation of that chemical that's that's effectively what the ban would do um, and the same would go for products that then had individual ingredients in there where animal tester, test data had been used, so they wouldn't be allowed. All the ones on our current shelves would be fine. It wouldn't be retrospective because, in a way, that's that's sort of pointless. It's as if the animals died in vain. But any new new products or new ingredients coming in would have that restriction. And it's working in the EU. It's actually shown in the EU that because of that ban, they've had to be more innovative in coming up with more alternatives. So it's actually meant 
alternatives production is going up. So it's had a fantastic effect in that sense as well. Mm. And as you did mention, is it like whether there's there's 35 countries that have banned? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, 35. And just Switzerland just last week as well. Yeah, just last week, Switzerland, Switzerland to ban imports of animal-tested cosmetics. I've got an article in front of me here, which is fantastic. Um, so that's all about cosmetic tests. Let's get back to the, the biochemical testing. That is there going to have to be extra legislation to... Yeah, it's it's quite complicated when you when you get into that because cosmetics is sort of regulated under one act. Um, you can institute that ban, but biomedical research is stretches across a whole lot of different areas. There's certainly ways you could restrict it. Therapeutic Goods Act, for example, you could make sure there's actually no strict requirement for animal testing at the moment. Um, it's more of a normative thing. But um, How, what do you mean by that? That there's no specific requirement in that act to say you must test on animals for the safety of this pharmaceutical, um, that sort of thing. So, um, but it does happen. So, but yeah, you'd need to look at the legislation there and look at some restrictions there, but also, um, really the researchers themselves can move away from it. That's a large part of it. And something HRA would like to see is actually, um, our research councils and the national, uh, health and medical, uh, research council moving away um, from animal testing by um, allocating funding to alternatives and alternative methods. So making sure they do this in a lot of other countries, making sure that that funding goes to non-animal testing, human biology-based research, you know, really modern, advanced research. Um, other countries actually have facilities as well specifically set up um, where funding is allocated to that and researchers work there and work to move away from animal testing. So that's really something we'd like to see happening in Australia as well. So as far as um, gen general public, what can we do to help bring attention to that, I guess? Um, I think it's a tricky issue, but I think talking about it and talking with your local um, federal MP about it, sending them an email or calling them or writing a letter and letting them know that, um, you want to move away from animal testing um, is really important. Um, you can go to HRA's website as well, um, just humaneresearchaustralia.org.au. There's a lot of information there about what you can do. In regards to cosmetics, um, of course, you can always make sure you buy cruelty-free cosmetics. Um, there's the Choose Cruelty-Free website. It has a whole list of those Australian companies that don't test on animals. But also we've set up a campaign website as well at becruelty-free.org.au where it'll allow you to contact your MP and say, please support a ban. This is something that Australians want and it's something that would be better for consumer safety and the animals. So there's no reason not to do it. <laughs> and I guess that the fact that if people just talk about it because, you know, Australia likes to brag that we're so, we, we lead in animal welfare. They like to fly yeah. that banner in so many industries but we actually awful point that people really need to discuss is that we actually have primate experimentation here as well yeah people don't believe it but it's, it's happening every yeah. day hundreds every year it's funny australia like that isn't it we really do live in a i don't know very isolated mentality sometimes that yeah i mean you have to find out these things it's it's not the fault of the public in the mm. way it's it's really the government and the institutions there that are being quite secretive about it because they know that the public's against it. They know if they knew about it, it wouldn't be allowed to happen. So yeah, getting the information out there and making sure that there's more transparency and accountability for those researchers that they need to show if they think that this is actually having any benefit, which is very questionable, they need to show us and prove that. Otherwise, it cannot be allowed to continue to happen. And I guess from Humane Research Australia's perspective, it must help uh, to have to look at the prototype that's happening in the EU and other countries and how they're showing innovation there with yeah. moving away to alternative methods of experimentation. I mean, Malcolm Turnbull's favourite yes. word is innovation. So, exactly. I mean, surely... You know, you've got all the winning arguments when you yep. approach stakeholders. Yeah, if they want to talk about innovation, this is something they need to be doing. As you said, not just the animal welfare, but for the science. Animal testing is bad science.
researchers know that. So they need to move away from it and hopefully it'd be really nice to see in, in the budget um, the NHMRC allocating that funding for alternatives research and even a facility set up to conduct alternatives research and make sure that we have those techniques out there so that we're moving away from animal testing. And give all these amazing budding scientists fantastic jobs as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. One thing I really want to cover, when you do buy a product uh, that has a certification, cruelty, choose cruelty-free, sorry, cruelty-free or the little bunny yeah. certifications, is they have to have that certification on them to be cruelty-free? Yeah, so it's, yeah. A, it's a tricky thing, Um some brands can be a little bit deceptive and it's difficult for the public um, to know. But put simply, um, you want to see the Choose Cruelty Free logo in Australia, which is Australia specific, or you want to see the Leaping Bunny um, logo, which is a more international one because they are the most stringent in their requirements. Um, it, they don't just require a signed statement, but Leaping Bunny actually goes and conducts audits of the companies to make sure that they're sticking to that cruelty-free policy. Um, so if you see Leaping Bunny logo or choose cruelty-free, you know that your product's okay. If you just see not tested on animals, written in text or something like that, you don't know. You'd have to contact the company or check if it's on one of those lists because um, companies can often say, oh, no, we don't conduct animal testing but what is happening is they're getting a third party to conduct it for them. So they're being very tricky with their language there. Um, or they say, oh, no, none of our products are tested on animals. Products are never tested on animals. It's the individual ingredients. So, again, they're using the language there to be very deceptive, really, to the consumers. Um, so it's much better to look at those accreditations with the with the logos there. Yeah. Well, that's really good to know. Yeah, the power of language. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really unfortunate, but they know it's a it's a marketing point with consumers. People don't want their products to be animal tested. Yeah, very cheeky, very <laughs> sneaky. Hannah, it's an election year, and, and coming up to the election, what kind of activities will Humane Research Australia be involved in or um, hoping for? Well, uh, certainly in regards to cosmetics, we're hoping for an announcement from the government um, in regards to that. Hopefully, a full ban. Um, so that's obviously why we're asking people to contact their local federal MPs. Um, and it would be really nice to see in the budget as well some sort of commitment for alternatives uh, funding, just like they're doing in other countries all around the world. You mentioned um, before we started chatting how you know frustratingly slow Australia is. Mm. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that and what your thoughts are? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. It's it's really slow and I and I don't exactly understand why when there's countries in Europe and like South Korea. Um, South Korea. Yeah, South Korea, you know, setting up these facilities where they're dedicated to alternatives research and modern science, why Australia isn't going ahead with that. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping they will soon, um, especially with Turnbull's innovation agenda. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it is very frustrating why we're so slow on these issues. Because but, all these other countries that you mentioned, they realise it's not working and yeah. it's not the smart way of doing it. So they're just yeah. getting on with the job. and It's not effective, so you need to put the, the money into something that is effective. And if we want cures and treatments for human illnesses, then we need to move away from animal testing into something more effective. Is that information on the HRA website as well, going into the, the new um, innovative research or the yeah. new links? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely. If people is. are interested in that. Yeah, yeah. If you visit visit the website, it, all all the information is there, and and ways that you can help as well, and help encourage the government to do something about it. Thank you so much, Hannah, for coming in today. No, it's we we really appreciate you giving your time on this beautiful autumn yeah. day. It's just stunning out there. So thank you very much, and thank please you. go to the Humane Research Australia website. And what was, what was the other one? Uh, BeCruelTyFree.org.au Australians love their digital equipment, and that's all fine and good because it increases our quality of life, but we need to think more carefully about what we're doing when we're finished with it. E-waste is growing at three times the rate of other municipal waste. 
3CR Community Radio is dedicated to exploring the issues that affect our future. Because I think it is something we just need to be talking about. 855am. Tune in and listen up. You are tuned in to Freedom of Species and it's time for some news. New Zealand has officially recognised all animals as sentient beings. This is huge. New Zealand has set an incredible precedent by legally ruling on what nature lovers already know to be true, that animals are sentient and have feelings in the same way that we do. This marks an incredible shift in public perception where previously only some animals were given the benefit of protection. The animal welfare bill that passed last month in New Zealand will prosecute people in animal cruelty cases and ban animal research and testing. All hunting and capture of wild animals will be illegal. I quote from Dr Virginia Williams, Chair of the National Animal Ethics Advisory Committee, to say that animals are sentient is to state explicitly that they can experience both positive and negative emotions, including pain and distress. The explicitness is what is new and marks another step along the animal welfare journey when it comes to this bill. Expectations on animal welfare have been rapidly changing and practices that were once commonplace for pets and farm stock are no longer acceptable or tolerated, said Dr Steve Merchant, President of the New Zealand Veterinary Association. The bill brings legislation in line with our nation's changing attitude on the status of animals in society. So that was an article I actually got from the Voiceless uh, webpage this morning. Briefly, there's another article in the Canberra Times what, titled What Dr Mike Brasher Learned from Bowen Island Rabbits and Other Feral Pests. Managing land at Jarvis Bay some years ago, biologist Dr Mike Brasher decided to help Bowen Island's little penguin colony by wiping out the island's rabbits. It was only then he discovered the rabbits had been keeping down kikuyu grass which grew over the penguins' burrows and tangled up the little birds with long runners, preventing them from reaching their burrows to feed their chicks. I'm not going to read the whole article, but it just highlights how when we're managing introduced species or feral species that it's we have to really change the way, and a lot of people are changing the way we manage these populations or treat these populations. Next week, I'm actually going to play a talk by Dr Ewan Ritchie called Bringing the Bite Back into Conservation, uh, in which he goes into detail about uh, ecosystems and explains how the kind of feral control we have at the moment falls way short of the intended consequences. So that's next week. This is Natalie from Blue King Brown and you're listening to 3CR. Support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. There's a couple of community service announcements today. There's one by Maneki Nico Cat Rescue called Shaken Not Purred, an event which I'm sure will have some meow teenies. Sorry, I shouldn't be left alone in the studio alone because really bad jokes come out. Um, anyway, on April the 15th, this event called Shaken Not Purred, an event fundraiser for Maniki Neko Cat Rescue, will be held at 7pm at the Aura Cafe Restaurant and Bar in Lower Templestowe. Tickets are $30 and includes a special gift for all attendees. Under 18s are $15, but they must be accompanied by an adult. So please join them for a cocktail, shake and not purred, to help raise money for the pussies galore in the care of Maneki Nico Cat Rescue. Wear your James Bond attire and bring your friends for an evening of intrigue and mystery. Canapes provided, vegan-friendly options, cocktails and drinks available at bar prices. So that sounds like a fun one. 
Now, next Sunday, it is Easter Sunday. Melbourne Chicken Save are holding an Easter rally. So that's March 27th at 12pm until 2pm at the Burke Street Mall. And I'll just read from their event posting, Easter is a time when chickens and eggs are used as a reference to new life and hope. Easter images show clutches of eggs waiting to hatch with a broody mother hen sitting on top. Happy little chicks hatching from eggs. Mother hen surrounded by her happy family and so it goes. Nothing could be further from the truth. On Easter Sunday, Melbourne Chicken Save want to show the real truth about how chickens are treated in the food industry. So please join them for two hours in Burke Street Mall and help consumers become aware of the atrocities that chickens are forced to endure for their taste buds. So Melbourne Chicken Save Easter Rally, March 27th, 12 noon. Hey, are you curious? Do you want to see how a busy radio station works? Do you want to know how over 300 broadcasters come together to produce radio 24-7? Are you interested in seeing the inside of a radio studio? Or do you want to find out more about 3CR's unique radio philosophy? Let me take you on a station tour. For $90, 3CR offers one-hour radio station tour for groups at a time that suits you. Radio. So if you're part of a community organization, student group, or institution, give 3CR a call on 94198377. For more information about radio station tours at 3CR, go to 3cr.org.au and click on Station Tours. You're tuned in to Freedom of Species. Thank you so much to um, all of the Duck Rescuers, Coalition Against Duck Shooting, Animals Australia and RSPCA, everyone who went up there for the opening weekend because it's not, they really put themselves out there. It's um, freezing conditions early in the morning and they, you know, are out there protesting on behalf of all of us really and rescuing all these injured ducks so thank you very, very much. It was fantastic news uh, that the late legal bid on Friday to stop Doug shooting at the Lake Elizabeth State Game Reserve actually was successful. So that was closed to the public, Lake Elizabeth. And I'm told in an article in the Weekly Times, I think, that it was an artificially filled lake as well so there was so much water there that all the birds were concentrating there so it actually that move by coalition against duck shooting and animals australia really saved a lot of lives so that was great great news for friday but please keep the conversation happening uh, about duck shooting that it's just a cruel sport there's plenty of great resources uh, on um, duck.org.au that you can have a quick read through for discussions 3CR, radio that's independent, progressive and making a difference. Uh, Animal Liberation launched their new Cow Truth website, which is another great resource to share with all your friends that are maybe vegetarian but haven't given up dairy or, you know, anyone really who needs to know more about dairy. It's really clear and concise. So that's a new one that was launched this week. We've got time for a tune uh, in light of the Cow Truth Uh, launch on the Animal Lib uh, website will play Vegan Smythe's tune called Human Milk Dairy. Jessica's scored a place at the Human Milk Dairy Although her teachers had told her that she'd never amount to much Oh yeah, congratulations Jess, well done Jessica's in a great mood at the human milk dairy All those milky mornings Ah, that squeezing touch And she's making it to the top By making her milk non-stop She's doing her best She's never a pest She's expressing her zest While they're expressing the milk from her breast Camilla is like the queen of the human milk dairy 
She's been pregnant for 11 straight years, but she still looks swell. But Camilla is getting too old for the human milk dairy. Although apart from her swollen, infected nipples, she's well. And she made it to the top by making a milk non-stop. She's doing her best, she's never a pest. She's due for a rest, but you would never have guessed. Just expressing her zest while they're expressing the milk from her breast. Well, Camilla's had 14 children, and every child has brought her joy. Until the very next day when it's taken away and killed, if it's a boy. Now I bet you all hate this song called Human Milk Dairy. I bet the lyrics I'm singing are giving you all the shudders. Cause you wouldn't stand for the strains and demands of a dairy. Unless, of course, you happen to be born with others. Cause when you're a cow, you've got no choice, cause you've got no voice. So you just spend your life making it till you drop Just making your milk non-stop Oh well, you're doing your best, you're never a pest Your body's possessed like you're under arrest But if you're feeling oppressed, we would never have guessed Cause you're expressing your zest while they're expressing the milk from your breast We're totally assuming that you'd never detest us expressing the milk from your breast. Ooh, yeah. Thank Vegan Smythe very much for those tunes. I better get a skedaddle out of here because we've got In Psychedelia coming up, a fantastic show that's all things... drugs (laughs) what a better way of putting it it's all things drugs guys so listen up for that one uh thanks so much for tuning in today if you'd like to contact freedom of freedom of species please do on info at freedomofspecies.org facebook twitter or the website thanks so much for joining us see you next week and taking us out is talking heads take me to the river You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.